episode of Interview of Avatar. My name is Tyler. I'm your host. Uh, it's WrestleMania weekend. Uh, so instead of trying to get everyone, uh, trying to set someone up um, a time during the, the two days of WrestleMania, um, I'm bringing in a very special guest. Um, she's actually not on Twitter, uh, but she's on Facebook and Instagram. Uh, very rarely now. She's, she pretty much stays off social media. Uh, but it would be it's my honor to introduce you to my wife, Bethany. Hey, Bethany, how are you doing today? So tell people who you are, where you grew up, stuff like that. I hate this question. So I'm Bethany. I am Tyler's wife, as he introduced. And I grew up in this Northwestern Ohio, uh, born and raised. And I have two older sisters and an older brother. And then we adopted my little sister. Um, my parents also fostered as I was growing up just in like middle school and high school. Um, and now I'm just a stay-at-home mom, not just, but I'm a stay-at-home mom. We've got four kids. Um, our oldest is about to turn eight and our youngest is almost two months old and I homeschool, um, and just mom life. So that's, that's about all I got. Thanks for the small introduction. So you mentioned that um, you grew up in your, your family is a foster family. Uh, how was it growing up in a foster family as a biological child? So when we first got, first we started out with respite. We weren't like full on foster family. We would just kind of, kind of like babysit for other families. I'm trying to think if we, if I knew you when we first started fostering. No, no, I don't, I don't believe so. Um, but anyway, so it wasn't, it wasn't bad, um, but it was hard. It was just a lot of the kids that we got for the first majority of it were younger. And then we started getting the older kids, the ones we did in respite were younger, I should say. And then when we actually started getting the kids, they were older, like around my sister's age, um, she was, I don't know, maybe five, four or five. Um, and so they were just, they were troubled kids. They didn't have the structure. They didn't have the discipline. They didn't have the, the boundaries that our family had. So it was an adjustment for them. And they struggled obviously with a new environment. Um, so obviously it was just stressful seeing my parents in stress and, um, you try to help out as much as you can, but there's only so much you can do. So when we started getting the older kids that were like closer to my age, that's when I kind of struggled. I remember like, that's when I was, we, we were talking Yep. Yeah. It was and Eric, I would Erica. like, yep. and I would vent to you because it was Erica. I was sharing my room at the time because it, it was a girl. And so we shared the bedroom and I remember like venting to you and like, you would try to crack jokes and like because you knew her yeah I, I knew Erica she actually went to my school and it's funny because then Bethany Bethany's family was fostering her at the time yeah so I we were just we kind of bonded over that I guess and like it was it was a good escape kind of thing for me and um so it just it had its ups and downs you know we I had a lot of love for some of the kids that we had and I had a lot of annoyance for some of the kids that we had um but looking back now as a mom and as an adult I think 
it, it was good. I mean, it helped me become a better mom. It helped me become a better person um, in the way that I parent and the way that I handle, you know, other kids or other families. So it, it was, it was good, but it was hard and it was eye-opening and it was life-changing. So, so just a rough estimate, how many, how many kids do you think came through your house uh, through respite or fostering through your parents? Ooh, gosh, I don't, I don't know. Um, I mean, it, we had a lot, like if, if we're counting the kids in respite, even we had definitely like multiple dozen. I mean, when you consider even the siblings that we had coming together in the house, we were able to have more boys um, than girls because the girls would have to share the bedroom with me and the boys had their own bedroom. So my parents had two sets of bunk beds in there. So they were able to take up to four boys at one time. So gosh, I mean, like I said, multiple dozens at least. So we had, we had quite a few coming and going and, um, some of them, we had to request their removal because it just wasn't working out or like there were certain incidents that would happen and we're like, this can't happen again. So we would have to get rid of them kind of, which sounds terrible, but ask for their removal. And I don't even know if you know those stories, you probably do, but. No, I remember, I know, I know the, the stealing the car. Oh yeah. Sorry. Um, but we'll get to that. So uh, you said that, you know, there's highs and lows with it. What, what is, what's the positive side of growing up in the foster family? As like from my perspective? Yeah, from yours. Yeah. Um, like I said, I think looking at it now as an adult, it's helped me be a better mom because there's a lot that you don't even realize. Like from these kids, they're troubled, obviously. They're taking from their, taken from their parents. And when, when you try to understand, you know, our kids have fits, they have tantrums, they have their attitudes, but that's part of their childhood. Like that's just part of growing up. But like, when you look at these kids that are in the foster homes, like they, they kind of, there's stems from, you know, neglect or abuse or, um, just their family giving up on them or their mom and dad, not loving them, or they're feeling misunderstood, obviously, but um, it's definitely helped me have more patience and have the ability to care for children. Because if I, if I'm not caring for my own children, like I'm caring for someone else's child too, like kids are my life. And, um, even in school, I think I always knew that I wanted my life to revolve around kids. And that's why it, it's just easy for me to just comfort a child, whether they're mine or not. And, um, I think another bonus was seeing my parents um, come out stronger because they they were tested. I mean, my dad, you know, like he was rough. Like he he was affected affected medically, like with his heart and yeah, absolutely. his blood pressure. And so, you know, coming from that point of view where I can see my parents really just beaten down and stressed and frustrated. And then how much stronger they came out. Um, that was really good for me too. Just seeing them put to the test and watching them grow from it. So 
Now she needs a wash rag. Yeah. Uh, sorry about this little delay. Uh, our daughter, she just spilled some water on the floor. So I'm going to pause it real quick so we can clean this up. All right. Welcome back. Uh, so next question. You just gave us the positive sides. Now give us the negative side of growing up in the foster family. Uh, so the negative, I feel like it was, I mean, when you're bringing in a stranger to your home, everything changes. Like I couldn't go to the bathroom with the door open anymore. I couldn't, you know, I had to wait for the shower or even for the toilet. We have three bathrooms in our house growing up. So like it was fine, but like the main bathroom was the one closest to my back, my bedroom. And so you like little things like that. I remember always getting mad about and um and then obviously like you're the little kids like they're always wanting your attention they're always wanting to do this or do that and then like they they bicker like little kids do they have their little spats and um so it was just I feel like it was always something and obviously like I said the stress on my parents obviously wasn't fun um and they had to go to like trainings I don't remember how often they had to go, but it seemed like a lot back then. They had to keep going to trainings. And, and, the, so, light, and the constant like relicensing and stuff like that. Yeah. So the certifications, the trainings, they would have to go to, to keep up their license up to date. And, um, and then when I had to share my bedroom, like that was, it was okay at times. Like she was my friend at some point and it was, it was fun, but other times it was just like, you know, you want to have, you want to be alone. You want to be in the quiet and you, you can't do that when you're sharing your room. And like, obviously my parents would like ask her to stay out of the bedroom for me and just give me some time, but it's, it was hard. Um, and then, I mean, there's just always drama, not even within our house and the family, but like the agency that you foster through there could be drama with the caseworkers there could be issues with the um the casa workers like the special one-on-one workers that come not just the ones that are trained but um so they would have to come out and do their visits with the kids and like it's just different a lot different than your typical regular everyday family but i i didn't want I didn't, I try not to dwell on the negative just because that's not me. Like I try not to be that person. Okay. With that being said, what was your favorite childhood memory? These are hard. Yeah. And to preface this, this question, uh, she only asked me for the first question. She has no idea what other questions are on this thing. She, I told her the first question and she's like, she thought about it for like 25 minutes. Uh, so, so yeah. So what's your favorite childhood memory, babe? These are not fun. Um, so we lived in the country. Um, we had, I mean, we're right next to my grandparents. So not we now, but back then when I was growing up, we were right next to my grandparents and we had a lot of land and uh, we lived next to like a big open woods. So I remember, I mean, we always had a really fun hill to go down sledding at our neighbor's house. And um, we always had tractors. So I loved riding the tractors. Going through the woods, we always had an adventure out in the woods with our neighbor friends. And um, I hated, actually, I hated, like when I was in middle school and high school, I hated living in the country because I always was jealous of my friends who could just like walk to town or go do something like where other things were, where in the country you just got road and fields. So 
I was always annoyed. But childhood memory, it's just, I think, all the things that we did, you know, outside, being a family, doing things that, did you drink at all? No. Um, to say like one specific childhood memory, I don't think I have that, but we always had fun. My brother and I were pretty close growing up and did fun stuff together. Like I said, out in the woods and on the tractors, all that stuff. I don't do, would you be able to say your favorite childhood memory? Yeah, probably. Um, but anyways, this, this isn't about me. <laughs> uh, so what is the biggest scare in your life? The biggest scare you've like ever fear? No, like, like you, oh, like when I got scared, yeah. Like when you got scared, what was the biggest thing? Hey, I don't know. Uh, when you were deployed, I think that's probably the biggest thing that like, I, I literally was terrified. And you were, you were pregnant with our first son at the time too. You just, you had just gotten pregnant. And so we had, we had just over a year left and then we're like, Oh, let's yeah. get, let's have this, let's have this baby, get it free in the military. Exactly. And then uh, they actually came in and asked me, Hey, do you want to get deployed? And I was like, yeah, let's go. You <laughs> wanted to, you were trying your very hardest. So then, you know, she, um, she, she we had found out she was pregnant in like August. Cause then we went to the Bristol night race. And then like, it was literally like a month later, they were like, you want to get deployed? And I was like, yeah. And then uh, I left in November of that year. So within like that two months and she moved back home. So, um, but yeah, that's, I guess that would be, so can you explain how you felt during that, during that, basically that year I was gone? Um, so that was his official deployment, but he had what, one other scare or two? that we thought you would get deployed. Two. Uh, Benghazi uh, with two, two. So the fear of like him possibly going was always there, obviously. And I remember like every time you would tell me like I could be deploying, my heart just dropped. Because when you think of a deployment to me, like in these movies and like in real life, you just, you know, it's not safe. Like it's not always all happy and easy. <laughs> and so I think for me, like when I was pregnant, it just, everything was heightened. Like my emotions, my hormones were skyrocketing. And um, so like after the two scares of you saying like, oh, I could be going and then you weren't, it was like when you first told me that you were going to be deploying with this real deployment, I remember like maybe it'll fall through because that's what happened last time. Yeah. And then you're like, no, it's for real. Like I'm going. And, um, we were a Christian. So like, I obviously just prayed and just like needed to know that, you know, I was, I was going to get through this and it was going to be okay. Um, and then I think part of the reason that I was so like afraid and just unsure was because you wanted me to stay there. Like you didn't want me to come home at first. And then Willard was the one that talked to you and was like, no, man, you need to let her go home. So that played into it. And so then, you know, once I'm home and you're deployed, like we were able to talk, it, what, like a month though, I had to wait. Like yeah. I would talk to you maybe like once a month because you didn't have that constant yeah. communication or whatever. Uh, it felt like a month at least. Um so thankfully, like we were able to talk almost every day once you got stationed or like where you needed to be. 
or whatever. But I remember like if we went longer than like usual and I didn't hear from you, like panic mode just instantly set in because you think the worst and you're just like, you don't know what's going on. And um, so again, just like praying, talking to my parents and having them pray with me and pray over me and with like praying for Tyler, praying for you. Sorry. I don't know who I'm talking to. (laughs) Um, (laughs) So it, that I think, I mean, that's definitely the scariest thing I think I've ever had to like endure because I don't, I don't know that I've ever had to go through anything scary growing up or anything. So you and I, uh, we, we, we met, well, basically we started talking in like 2006, 2007. Uh, we grew up very differently. Um, my family follows football religiously. <laughs> Your family does not. <laughs> I didn't even watch football until yeah. I met you. Um, so it was the uh, 2006, 2007. So it was the Colts and the Bears Super Bowl. And you liked the Bears at the time uh, because of someone you were talking to. But when, we, when you actually really started watching football, um, you liked the Vikings. <laughs> Tell us why you like the Vikings, babe. <laughs> the purple and yellow. I liked their colors. And that, and that was just it. Just literally, that was it. So then you moved on. So then you moved on. Uh, as you as you get more and more into football, you moved down with you. Uh, we got married. You moved down with me. Uh, and your favorite team was who then? We. Uh, we. I liked the Eagles. <laughs> why did you like the Eagles? Uh, so, Michael Vick was the quarterback, and McCoy was the other running back running back and they were just really fun to watch I really enjoyed watching them play together I loved their speed and they they were I don't know if they were even like good but they were just entertaining to watch when I watched them yeah and it killed me to have to buy a Michael Vick jersey for the first time (laughs) it really did um so then uh over time you grew to like the Cowboys why do you like why did you like the Cowboys besides (laughs) They're always on the TV every Sunday, no matter what. So I think I, what, when did we? We got married in 2012 and you still like the Eagles. And so it'd been in like 2014, 2015. You okay. So it was Cowboys. when we had Caleb Yeah. and I couldn't root against my own child. So I was like, well, better start liking the Cowboys. And um, Tony Romo was the quarterback. I always made fun of him because I'm like, he's hit or miss. He's going to throw an interception. Um the things you always hear yeah I feel like those are always said about him but I yeah it was mainly because like Caleb he was teaching Caleb to root for the Cowboys go Cowboys and I was like well I can't root against my child like I gotta be with Caleb on it so that was mainly why I started liking the Cowboys and, he, and he's not even a Cowboys fan he's a Bengals fan <laughs> surprisingly for the Cowboys though. yeah he, he switched teams over the years he's went from the Cowboys to the Buccaneers last year and then he was he uh he likes 49ers at one yeah point. For, yeah the gold team the 49ers um and now he likes the Bengals um uh so that's basically we're just gonna stop with the, the sports questions there. wait but I loved Cole Beasley he was my man I was like Beasley every time yeah you got that Cole Beasley jersey uh so um you and I have been to a lot of different places together uh, what is your favorite place we've been to and why? Hawaii. Um, so we, oh gosh, I traveled a lot by myself though, like California, North Carolina, South Carolina. 
Um, and I, I mean, I could tell you easily like what I loved about each trip, but Hawaii was definitely one of my favorites for our honeymoon. And um, I think just, I mean, we were in that like honeymoon phase and it was, it was more than just like this high school relationship where, you know, we were having fun and like loved each other where our honeymoon was like after we were married. So it was like real life, real commitment. Um, and I knew that it was like the start of our forever. So I think for me, like, like I said, I could easily name off things that I loved about when we traveled together before we got married, but that was just like on a different level for me. So, um, where's your least favorite? I know, I know the answer to this, your least favorite place and why. Wait, now you have to tell me what your answer is. No, you, uh, if, if you say it. My least favorite where we went? Yeah. I know this answer. It's New York City. Oh. Oh, yeah. I don't even, I, that wasn't even registering in my mind. <laughs> so we bad it was. For New Year's, guys. And yeah, no kids at this time. Yeah, it was, no. two, it was 2011, 2012. Gosh, it was awful. I didn't even think about that. Yeah, we stayed in like Midtown Manhattan. And then uh, it, tell, tell them why you hate New York. The ho- besides, so, besides, besides the hotel, like, since we, li- we were staying in Midtown Manhattan, like we had like this super small hotel room. It was like a bedroom of a hotel room. Yeah, right? it's like a, like a studio kind of thing. But tell them, tell them why you hated the experience in New York. So it was, I mean, it was cool to walk up and down Broadway. What's it even called? Broadway? Times Square. Times Square. I don't even know. <laughs> And it was cool to see it all and be there and like say you could go. But like when it came time to that ball dropping, we had to go. Gosh, it felt like 10 hours early. It was actually 14. We had to be there at 10 okay. in the morning. 14 hours early. And you could not, we couldn't take drinks, not even water. We couldn't have any food. The security was ridiculous. And we just stood there forever. And then you're in the when it's like time is dark and the time is like getting close to midnight and it sound it looks and sounds so cool on tv and you and I both realize like it is not like that because there's so much downtime and we just we were bored and then a slice of pizza was seven dollars and like do you remember that yeah yeah they were selling like those personal pan Domino's pizzas for like 20 bucks and I remember you had to go to the bathroom and they said, if you went to the bathroom, I couldn't get back in. you couldn't get back in, but we ended up switching spots and we were right in front of like Justin Bieber's stage. Yeah. Uh, that's where we, yeah. That's where we ended up staying was right there in front of the, the stage that Justin Bieber was on. Yeah. So that was cool because they, I don't know how that even came to be. They, it was because either. you were in the military and they're like, Oh, we have a special spot. And like we moved, but um, just, I think like the dead time that, you know, the commercial breaks are just nothing. They had like music playing in the background and that was it. And yeah. you're just like entertaining yourself and standing on your feet the whole dang time. So it was, that was, I don't recommend it. <laughs> <laughs> so now, now just get to your favorite stuff. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Holly just colored all over her water bottle. Uh, so you just gave birth to our fourth child. Uh yes almost eight weeks, almost two months ago. Um, this is your third one that you've had at home, home birth. Tell us, tell the people listening about the two drastically different experiences from the hospital to the home. 
this is what I like talking about. So with Caleb, our oldest, I did have him in the hospital and I was induced because Tyler was deployed at the time. So I'm trying to think when, oh, I had him, what, two days after my due date, I think. Yep. Um, so they induced me and we, I only agreed to the induction because I wanted to make sure that you would be home because I'm like, I, I'm not doing my first without you. So <laughs> we agreed on that. And I, I remember like the Pitocin was fine and they would tell me I was having contractions and I wouldn't feel anything. And I would see it on like that graph thing or whatever. And they had me in all different positions, like sitting in the rocker, sitting on the ball. And like, we were playing cards with your dad and they're like, oh, that was a good one. And I had no idea. And the one, the first time I think you like fell asleep or you dozed or something. I was like full on anxiety because I didn't want you to like not know what was going on or if something went wrong. I don't know. And someone just called mom. No, he's right there. Um, sorry. So uh I remember like once I started feeling the contractions and it was after they broke my water they did they broke my water and that's when I started feeling like the hard contractions and it started getting worse and it was like 10 30 at night so you were like done you were just dead tired yeah because I to preface this I, I had flown across the world in like a day uh so at that time I was I did deployed with eighth marines and she was part I can't remember what the group is called but she was in a group of like for like the family whatever. And they were in touch with her and, you know, they would talk to, um, master gunner Sergeant Jackson was his name. He was a really cool guy. Uh, and he's the one who, you know, he let me come home uh, on a certain day. So that's why she was induced and I was home for two weeks. Um, so basically I had flown across, I had landed in like cherry point at a, uh, like, uh, I don't know, it'd be like seven 30 in, it was like seven 30 or something like that. And then I went from cherry point, uh, from the Jacksonville airport to Charlotte to Detroit. My parents picked me up in Detroit. Um, if I'm, if I'm, if I remember correctly, they picked me up in Detroit and then uh, they took me back to Bethany's house. It was two o'clock in the morning. And then she had to be at the hospital at like 6 a.m. Six yeah. yeah. And then, uh, so basically I didn't sleep that entire time and I stayed awake with her almost, I tried to stay awake with her as much as I could for, for, for that time, but go ahead and keep talking. Which, I'm just going to say this, like, if we did not have that induction, you would have not made that birth for sure. Yeah. We, I go way over. Um, so the Pitocin really kicked in. My contractions were hard and he was posterior. So like not the optimal position for a baby to be in. So like I had back labor crazy hard and the Pitocin is just way worse on your body than natural labor because at least with natural labor your body is working with your baby and not being forced to get this baby out so um I considered an epidural I was asking the nurse about it and they had me talk to the anesthesiologist and I you know asked some questions and you know was trying to figure out if it was going to be worth it or not and I'm very natural minded. So like I was hesitant to begin with, but it was hard. So they said it could affect the baby. Like he would come out lethargic and just, you know, it might, um, wear on him a little bit, but then it would just like fade off or whatever. And 
I was like, no, nah, it's not worth it. So I stuck it out. And um, so, you know, they, the only thing that I remember that was annoying or frustrating was the nurse kept coming in and saying like, you can still get an epidural. Like, do you want the epidural now? And I was like, no, I don't want the epidural. And um, so, you know, in a hospital, you are stuck on that bed with, you know, the blood pressure cuff, you have these wires, you've got the IV, you have these things connected to you and I could get up to go pee and that was it. And I couldn't walk around or do what I wanted to do. I couldn't eat anything. I couldn't drink anything. And well, maybe they let me drink water or I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. Um, but that, I mean, I didn't have a terrible hospital birth, but I think just having it to compare to a home birth, like I would never want to have it in a hospital again, because when I'm at home, I'm in control. Like the midwives that I use are very, very trusting of a woman's body and they hardly, you know, intervene with, with you. And, um, you know, they check the baby's heart right here and there, but I'm free to labor. However I want, I can walk, I can sit, I can stand, I can be on my hands and knees or whatever, whatever I want to do. I can eat whatever I want. And they actually like they, they pushed me kind of to eat and make sure that I'm drinking for sure. And, um, so just the laboring alone is 800 times better when you're at home, because you, like I said, you're in control. The freedom is unreal. And then obviously recovery, like you're not stuck in a hospital. We had to stay in the hospital with Caleb because I tested positive for let whatever strep be something. I don't know what it was called. And that's, we had to stay for 48 hours so that they could observe him. And, um, we were stuck in those really uncomfortable beds. And when I'm at home, like I can recover in my own bed, I can eat my own food and I can have my kids all with me. So it's like day and night difference. The, as far as laboring and the recovery, like it's complete, 180. So what would you say the pros and the pros and cons of the home birth? I know you're not going to give us very many negatives because you love it so much, but what, what, what would you say? Hey, Holly, what would you, what would you say? the Okay. What would you say your, the pros are and the cons? Um, I'll start with some of the negatives because I mean, when you're at home, the negatives are, you know, we, we chose to keep the kids home. So, you know, I have, I have those, little things that you know their demands and stuff and that can be a little bit stressful and um you know if they want mommy and not daddy then that just that makes me feel sad and just like not in a good position but um, my midwives were great um and we had both of our families my both of our parents here and um with him like my most recent one I told the midwives, like, I felt like it was really chaotic. And like, I just wanted to be in like quiet and calm and dark and peace. And so I would just like walk back to the bedroom. Um, so I, I guess like, but that's our own doing that wasn't the home birth itself. That was our right. own decision. So, and, and she still gets, you know, it's, it's one of those things, you know, how women, you see that like women get snippy in a hospital bed. It's still the same thing at home. I get, I got all kinds of backlash, but <laughs> I just mind my own business, but go ahead, go on. 
<laughs> I think this last time I was definitely more snippy, as we'd say. Yeah. Um, so, you know, just not having that like calm and um, the quiet, but the positives, I could go on and on and on about the home birth. You know, you, you're the, even the prenatals, you're very um, hands-on throughout the whole pregnancy. Like, I mean, you know, with Liam, you didn't really go with Holly and Nolan, but how detailed they were. And, you know, they would tell us the position of the baby. They would let you feel the head when it was, you know, down low enough. Um, and hearing the heartbeat, we didn't use the Doppler every time they had the, I'm trying to think what it's called. I should have Googled this, um, where they, it's kind of like the heart rate. What's it called? I can't think of it. I don't know. Um, I think that was really cool because you heard more of like what it sounds like in real life instead of through the Doppler where it's like, um, and then just, just how, how much more I knew during my pregnancy about the baby and about pregnancy and about everything that I never learned with Caleb. I mean, I don't have, I didn't have any ultrasounds, which killed you. Yes, but. absolutely. <laughs> We didn't get any ultrasounds with all the home births and we could have, but I opted not to. And uh, so just, I think, you know, just trusting that the Lord was going to, you know, carry us through it and that everything was going to be okay. And the relationship that I developed with my midwives was just everything to me because you're not just another patient. Like you're, you're really treated like family. Um, she has a hole in that. <laughs> so I, like I said, I could go on and on guys, but I think just, if you can do a home birth, do a home birth. If you have no complications, if you have, you know, the ability to tolerate the pain, um, it's all in your head. Like it's, it's so doable and it'll be worth it because laboring the way you want, eating whatever you want, recovering the way you want in your own bed, in your own home. It's, way better <laughs> like you said it's i mean there, there are people with like uh predisposition uh you know stuff that they can't do that do it oh but but um i remember when you first went to them they they asked you about your family history and stuff yeah to make sure you were still able to do it uh but just like just like the freedom alone and like you said it's it's all mental like a woman's body is made to be able to do that kind of do that kind of thing like they like they used to me. <laughs> hold on there um so as a stay-at-home mom uh, you know, that's what you do. Uh, you, you actually went, you actually went to school. You got your medical certificate or whatnot uh, when you lived with me. Um, <laughs> yeah. But you, you know, I have a good enough job that you're a stay-at-home mom full-time. Uh, so what would you say the highs and lows of being a stay-at-home mom are? Well, staying at home, um, it can be pretty lonely. Like you're, you know, you're, at home with all these kids and you're just trying to get them, you know, get them fed and keep them happy. And it's like, you can't just go to your friend's house because you have friends that work or, um, your friends are at a different level in life where like, maybe they don't have kids or, um, you, you don't, you don't have those things in common anymore. And I, I mean, I have like a few friends that we, we still talk to and it's so I think my biggest thing is like it can just feel lonely and 
some fall. Um, you're it definitely like overwhelmed sometimes because I'm sure you've heard like laundry is never ending and the dishes and the cleanups and the messes and um I, but I will say like ever since I had Holly like you have helped so much more so that's helped with me feeling like I can keep up better and um so I think just you know the hot the the lows are just your daily stresses I guess but um I do love the fact that like I don't have to wake up and go to a job every day I don't have to um you know be at a certain place at a certain time unless I choose to be and um I think my like we just we're very like easygoing go with the flow type families so you know we wake up when we want and the kids are all really good to enjoy the day with for the most part and if we want to go to my parents, we just go to my parents and hang out. Or if we want to go to a park, we can go to a park. And um, so <laughs> I like that, you know, I, we, we can, we don't have to worry about certain things. We just get to do what we want to do. And um, I get to enjoy more of their childhood and growing up and teaching them and I don't have to worry about like a babysitter. I don't have to worry about a daycare or anything influencing them or, you know, teaching them and seeing their first, like that's all us and me. That's what I think at least. And so, you know, you said like uh, you have some friends that, you know, you're able to keep in touch, but that's where social media has helped you quite a bit. Like you're in, you're in groups where like they post things about like, they, Hey, we're getting like a group to go to this park, yada, yada, yada. And, uh, tell us a little bit about that. Yeah. So, I mean, I don't think I really took it seriously, though, until Caleb was in school. Yeah, he's awake. Because um, I I don't know that I'm an introvert, but, like... You're the extrovert. I'm the introvert until I get to meet somebody. I I can be an introvert, in a way, because I there's times where I'm just a homebody, and I don't want to do anything or go anywhere. I don't want to get dressed. I don't want to like do anything. That, that's me on the weekends. Because <laughs> <laughs> I, de I deal with people all through the week. And then on the weekends, I just want to chill. Yeah. But anyways. And so I think, I mean, the groups are great because like you have like-minded people. Um, like I'm in like a holistic mom group. I'm in like the um, group that Caleb goes to school, like those moms and parents or families or whatever. And um so it's, it's nice to have that option. Um, but now that Caleb is in school, like doing the co-op, um, I think it, it has helped me even like come out of my shell a little bit because like, I, I want my son to socialize and be socialize and be, um, you know, <laughs> more outward. But at the same time, I'm also like, I'm super awkward. I don't want to do this or do that. I don't know these people, but um, I think I'm the type of person too, that like, it's nice to have it when I want it. So it's just depends on the day, I so, guess. So I don't, I don't have this, this question listed here, but how has being a stay at home mom affected your mental health? You know, you, you hear about women go through like postpartum. Uh, have you ever had any of those instances where you're like down, down and you need to, you need like a pick me up? How did, how did, how did, 
if you have dealt with that, how did you, how did you cope with it? How did you get past it? Or what would, Luckily, what would you, another thing. So if you don't, what would you tell women or how would you help them get through that? So luckily, I've never really dealt with postpartum blues, like the baby blues that a lot of women get. Um, I think that a lot of women fear that, though, like they almost anticipate having that issue. And so that just kind of dwells on them that it's a possibility. So like it could happen. It's going to happen to me type mindset. And um, I've never had that. So, I mean, after I will say, though, like after when I was pregnant with Holly, I was going to kickboxing and that helped tons. And then like, after I had her, I finished out the membership and like, was able to kickbox, um, which was a huge stress relief. And, um, you know, so getting back in shape and like feeling good about my body after going through, you know, the crazy long pregnancies. Um, so I, I think, I mean, exercise definitely helps because you're, it's just that relief that you get, um, from exercising. And, um, I am not one to ever like hop on the medication board. Like I would do everything in my power to help something or cure or fix or whatever, instead of jumping on the medication. So, um, I think just getting out, like being outside helps me like in the garden would definitely help being, you know, out in nature, just going on a walk or swinging in a hammock. I don't know, like just little simple things like that are what I would do. But as far as like, if someone came to me and was like, how can I help this person with postpartum blues? I, I don't know. I wouldn't be experience to say like, well, this helped me because I never went through it. But I know a lot of, um, I guess you could say like simple things to try. Like I said, it would just be, you know, working out or maybe um, talking, obviously talking to somebody to help and like just to vent and, you know, listen. But I don't know. That's a hard question too, I guess, because postpartum is hard. I mean, if you don't have the support system, like I, thankfully, like you're very supportive of everything I do and like the choices that I make and, uh, and then, you know, my mom helping as much as she did. Take a break. Good. Um, so just definitely having the support, you need to have a support system because it's going to affect you and your decisions and your clarity more than you realize. So they often say that like your husband is your oldest child. Uh, so, you, <laughs> so you obviously take care of me. Um, a few months ago, I came out and told you about my struggles with mental, with my mental health. Uh, how'd you feel when I told you that? And what advice would you give to others who may receive the same kind of news? So the way that I felt actually was, I felt, I mean, I was hurt because that was the first that I've ever known. And we've been together for how long? And like, I had no idea that it was as deep as it was. And, um, you know, the, the things that 
I could have helped more or handled better or changed was an eye opener to me because like, I, I didn't know. And I never, I guess like paid attention to like my, what's it called? My demeanor of everything. And um, so it was hard. I mean, we, we both cried. Like it was, it was good, but it was hard. So um, I think the biggest thing for me was just like making sure that I always keep that in my head that like you, you, you were, you opened up and you, you know, you trusted me enough to finally like, let me in and let me know. And, um, I mean, we would talk and you would be honest and open up, but like that level has never been like, you know? Yep. Absolutely. Um, I don't even remember what the other part of the question was. I think she's tearing up right now. No, <laughs> no. She, she's a crier, by the way. She gets that from her mom. I'm emotional. Okay, we're postpartum here. Hormones are still whack. <laughs> What's the other question? The other part? Oh, uh, I said. Uh, Something about helping. Yeah. So, and what advice can you give to others who may receive the same kind of news? So, gosh, I think my biggest thing was just praying about it. Um, and if, I mean, if you're not, religious I I don't know um because I the the way that I prayed for you was like different because of what we talked about and how we how you explained things and so my the praying was different and um you know I had to I always say you're my rock, but like, I had to kind of step it up a little bit more and like be more of a rock for you. And, um, I think just, just making sure that like, if, if you don't like, if I didn't understand where you were coming from or what you were saying, I think it could have gotten worse, but like, I made sure that I understood. I made sure that I knew where you were coming from. And so just to make sure that like, you're not holding anything back and make sure you're on the same page because- Yeah, open line of communication all yeah, the time. Because it, it's gonna do more damage than good if, if it's not. Yeah, like there, there's times where it's not like I shut down, but it's just like, I don't- You have layers. I'm like Shrek. You oh, have layers. <laughs> but it's, it's just like- <laughs> There's, I mean, there's times where, you know, she wants to do something or, you know, there's just like, I don't feel like doing anything. And I mean, I could probably get over it, but it's just like, sometimes I just, like I said, sometimes I just want to be an introvert, sit at home and do absolutely nothing. Well, and I ask why, and I always want a reason. And you're yeah. just like, I, just because, and I'm like, not good enough. <laughs> yeah. So like, and one of my big escapes and luckily she loves to do it with me is we go fishing all the time. Uh, go different places and stuff like that so that's like a like a, that's like a big escape for me um but so yeah I mean just like an open line of communication is is like 100%. just just not just you know have just talking to someone or just listening to the story basically kind of like what this podcast is designed to do just kind of air it all out there well and you were always like I was I'm hard on you like I still am I just can't help it she's, she's extremely hard on me. it's tough love she has no <laughs> filter when it comes to me <laughs> 
And I think you were, you told me straight up that you were afraid of, like, if you were, you were afraid that I would judge you or that I would take it the wrong way, or I would respond a certain way. And, um, so, you know, I mean, I'm still hard on you because like I said, I have these like standards for you and it's, it's like when you said, uh, whatever you told me that, like, when you said like, you were afraid that I was going to judge you. Like, that's like a slap in the face. I'm like, whoa, okay, well, we cannot have this issue. And so I think, you know, now that I know that it's a lot easier to get you to be like, just tell me like, and I, I talk a lot. So you're always like, you never let me talk. You never let me finish. And I just literally, I had to like bite my tongue and shut up because yeah, that was the only way you would just go. So kind of like, this is like one of those opposite attracts kind of thing. Like I'm very like calculated in what I say. So like, if she says something, I like think about it. You take forever. And then I, then, then I say it. Uh, <laughs> but if I like, if she asked me a question, I don't answer right away. It's like <laughs> the end of the world, you know? Um, and uh, it's like that with all my responses with her, but uh, that's just, just the way to, and then like, if I'm thinking of something or if I'm talking, she'll like interrupt me because she has to get her point across. <laughs> it's just like, no, you have to let me. And I tell her that all the time. Cause like, we even talked about that. Like before we got married, like we, we talked to the, you know, the pastor that pastor, married us. Yeah. And I even said that, like, you know, I'm very calculated in what I say. I make sure I say, try to say the right thing all the time to like not offend or hurt somebody. Which is annoying. Yeah. <laughs> but she's the complete opposite. Like she, like you said, she has no filter. Um, but with that being said, uh, we're getting down to these final couple of questions here. You and I have been frivolously uh, preparing for the future. Uh, tell people about your idea of homesteading and what all that entails for us here in the future. Oh my gosh. So these are big dreams right now because we don't even have anything that we want to do in the future. Like right now, you know, we, I love to garden. I use my parents' garden. So we just help them out because they have a beautiful, big garden that we can, you know, grow abundance of or in. And um, so, you know, my dream, we really want to move to my grandparents' land. They have like those 15 acres, you know. With the woods that I hunt. Yeah. We've, yeah. I killed multiple deer. I kill multiple deer out of there every single year, basically. So yeah, we've, we've already got like the venison that we're going to, you know, keep continuing to gain. And so we want to move over there and, you know, either, either build or take over my grandparents' house. Wow. No, he's not. Um, take over my grandparents' house when they pass and take all that field, that land and you know, grow our own meat. I want to have cows. I want to have pigs. Like goats would be hilarious and fun, but I don't know that we would actually do that, but definitely chickens, you know, have our own eggs and then meat chickens. I want to even have like a dairy cow now, like milking and using raw milk is so intriguing to me. Yeah. If you've never had raw milk, like milk from the store, it makes me like super bloated, but having like drinking raw milk, um, it just, it doesn't even, it doesn't even feel like I'm drinking milk, but you know, I get the same kind of nutrients, but it's, it's, it's amazing how much it's changed, but go ahead, go on. Sorry about that. Yeah. We have to do a herd chair. So it's like kind of illegal, but not illegal. I know. Um, so I want to have a dairy cow now I've been following like this homesteader mom on Instagram and it's just so amusing and I love it. So, oh gosh. Oh gosh. Baby's coughing. Okay. So 
all the animals, you know, raising our own meat. And it would be amazing to be able to provide um, just for our family and grow our own food. But I, I think it would be amazing to even like grow food for others and sell the meat. And like, I don't know that we would go as far as butchering, maybe some chickens or whatever, but I don't know about like the big animals. Um, I think just having that as an opportunity, you know, raising them for other people and having that maybe be like part of an income would be neat, but that's just, you know, I think teaching the kids to be on a farm and enjoying the simple life, but not really simple because you're doing a lot of work, but just like the simple living where you get, you know, you don't have to go on vacation because you have all these animals you're going to take care of. And, mm -hmm. um, your getaway is going to be, you know, walking through the woods or rummaging through the garden, seeing what kind of goods we can find. And, um, I think, you know, living off the land as much as we can is completely crucial, especially right now. Like, I don't want to have to worry about a shortage. I want to be able to go into my pantry and see all these foods that we preserved and that are, you know, canned and shelf, the shelf life is hundred percent stable. And, um, knowing where they come from too is big for me. So I think, you know, the more that we talk about it, the more that we plan and like figure out is just so exciting. Good girl. It's so exciting for me. And just like, come on, let's make it happen. Yeah. And right now her big thing is, 15 passenger van for some reason <laughs> that's what she wants she's been she's yes. been bugging me about like a 15 passenger van so and transit i'd rather just buy a school bus and convert it or something like that <laughs> uh but anyways um on a much lighter note just filling up these last two questions here tell us your three favorite movies i don't have favorite movies your three favorite movies all right we're just gonna go with the top that comes to my mind the notebook the notebook is always gonna be a favorite um footloose the new one the new one yeah love the new one um i don't know that i can even come up with a third one i don't have favorite movies guardians sure we'll go with the guardians of the galaxy I don't know. well a, a cool thing a cool thing about uh her notebook she actually met miles is her name miles oh yeah Park? his son yeah she she met him on airplanes miles. yeah flying down to me uh, on the really small prop plane yeah north carolina she met she met miles yeah. uh so what's your three favorite foods oh this is easy i love ice cream i will never turn down ice cream is that a food does that count and french fries i am all about some french fries and i have to go with pizza Oh, the three worst foods you could choose. <laughs> Anyways, so last question. Salad. Are the Cowboys going to win the Super Bowl this year? That's my daughter singing head, shoulders, knees, and toes. If you can hear it. <laughs> Are the Cowboys going to win the Super Bowl this year? Are you asking me for real or I say I say it every year and she gets so annoyed. Here we go again. It's like going to the Super Bowl this year. <laughs> All right, let's wrap this thing up. Uh, thanks, babe. Um, I don't know if you want to pass out your Instagram thing and want people to follow you on Instagram or whatnot. Um, but thanks again. I love you and go cowboys.